up, Longhorn Nation and college football fans everywhere. You know, even some of you Aggies are watching the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel to keep up with what the heck is going on in Austin. I am Chip Brown, longtime Longhorns insider at Horns 24-7, joined by the one and only Eric Henry, a prolific, totally uh, on top of it beat writer for us, just kicking ass. And you, you kick more butt if you don't stop to take names, Eric. And I don't think you're taking names. You're just too busy <laughs> kicking butt. So we, uh, we are excited to be previewing Texas Longhorns, undefeated Texas Longhorns against the undefeated Kansas Jayhawks. Now, I know most Longhorn fans think, uh-oh. Kansas coming to Austin. Last time that happened, it didn't go well. 57-56 overtime. Disaster for the Longhorns. Launched the advertising career of Kansas fullback slash tight end Jared Casey. And Kobe Bryant, Kansas defensive back who had a pick six in that game. Um, Eric Texas coming off the 38-6 win over Baylor. Did the Longhorns show you anything in Waco that uh, you needed to see to feel good about the Longhorns as we move along in Big 12 play? CB, two things stood out to me in the win at Waco, or in Waco at Baylor, I should say. Let's start with the fact that a Steve Sarkeesian coach team, if you know anything about his history, offensively, the pre-stamp motion is something that is, you know, it's crucial to what he is looking to do. I asked him post-game about it, and he said, hey, you know, we don't run simple offense. We don't run simple plays. We want to use motion, especially pre-snap, because the more we're doing that, the more taxing it is on the defense to try to know what we're doing offensively. Now, through four games, or I guess entering the Baylor game through three games, Texas had shown much more composure on the road, ironically, with the one road test at Alabama than they had at home. We've talked about the offensive struggles, but that really kind of ties into some of the pre-snap stuff, specifically penalties. You know, they had had five or excuse me, had six pre-snap penalties, five of the false start variety. One uh, was uh, an illegal snap by Jake Majors entering uh, the Baylor game and only had one uh, at the entering the Baylor game. Didn't have one uh, then against Baylor on Saturday. They only had one pre-snap penalty. And that was one that Steve Sarkeesian said was a a little bit fluky, you know, in terms of just some of the the, the motion, the backfield, not putting yourself behind the chains via penalty was big to me because it showed that they can do it on the road. They have that composure on the road. Right. And, and, and that in my mind, Chip really helped propel Quinn Ewers and the offense to arguably Quinn Ewers most, uh, not necessarily his most prolific, but his most efficient day as a Longhorn. Was it 17 of 22? If my memory serves me correct, 78% passing. Uh, Those things matter. So the fact that they were able to show that type of composure and carry it through on the road, which again, I don't want to poo-poo on Chip because 
a critique of Steve Sarkeesian coach teams here during his tenure at Texas is that they didn't play well on the road, right? So you can't have it both ways. You can't critique, uh, you know, his, his staff and, and his teams were not playing well on the road. And then they go and went on the road and say, oh, well, well, you know, they don't play well at home. So I want to give them credit for that. But I want to see them take that same composure and carry it uh, over to games at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. Now, the second thing that really stood out to me was this running game. For the last five quarters, this run game looked really good. Uh, or I guess I should say last eight quarters, if you include uh, the Wyoming game in the final quarter against Bama, the, the last the last nine quarters. There we go. Get that correctly. Sorry, it's later in the day, and Chip knows it's a Monday. We were at uh, DKR and Belmont Hall for, what, six hours, right? So all the numbers run together. So let's try this again. Yeah, last, and Quinn nine, was 18 of 23. 18 of 23. Right? 17 of 23, 18 of 23. Got my percentages right. 78% completion rate is best as a Longhorn. Here you go. Um, so I'll try this again. His last nine quarters – uh, of Texas football, the run game has been really, really strong. And I think it's hitting at the right time. I wrote about this uh, earlier today at Horns 24-7, the fact that the run game, finding its stride and you're getting into Big 12 play, facing some prolific offenses that I know you know we will talk about a little later on. But that, to me, I think is, is especially crucial because you don't want to have the type of rushing performance that you had against Rice and give Kansas more opportunities to put up points. So those two things stood out to me, especially in the win over Baylor chip. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, I asked Quinn Ewers after the Baylor game, are y'all just uh, road warriors? You're better road team now than you are at home. You get off to better starts on the road. You don't have the, the penalties and he looked at me and said, a lot of games left. We'll see. But I don't know what it is, Eric. I don't know if it's the guys having their girlfriends around at home games or something, or they think it's going to be the crowd's going to carry them, the, the LED light show, whatever it is. They got to they gotta get it going. They got to kick it into gear earlier in these uh, home games because they did get off to slow starts against Rice and Wyoming at home, and they got off to nice starts against Alabama and Baylor on the road. So uh, this, this, I agree with you, the running game, and for those who are drinking from the cup half full and they're thinking about the Kansas game last year when Texas ran for 427 yards 243 of them from Bijan Robinson, who just went wild. Texas controlled the clock with the running game. They demoralized Kansas's defense with the running game. Uh, and Jonathan Brooks had 100 yards rushing in that game as well. He had a 70-yard touchdown run in that game. For a guy who – and while we're on the subject of Jonathan Brooks, Eric, this guy – he needs a better hype man. Like he doesn't last week. We we're like, Hey, what's your best trade as a running back? He's like, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm not fast. And we're like, huh? Like you, you had a 70 yard touchdown run last year against Kansas. And then Steve Sarkeesian's talking about how he was clocked at 20, almost 22 miles an hour on his 40 yard touchdown run against Baylor. And it looked for a second like he was thinking about going out of bounds and then just lowered his shoulder and stayed in bounds and finished the run. 
and he's now got 24 force missed tackles. He's averaging six force missed tackles a game. Um, Jonathan Brooks, you know, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're pretty darn good. I mean, they've had some situations like this, Eric, with Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford, two years ago, they were like, you're ready. You're good. You're you're doing everything right. Just get out there and cut it loose. And he was thinking too much. He was thinking too much. And then even in the opener last year against ULM, he doesn't have a single tackle, not one, starting middle linebacker. Then he sacks Bryce Young in the second quarter of that Alabama loss a year ago. And his, it was like the confidence tank got full. He started playing fast. He started trusting his training. You know, coaches say that all the time. It's like, sounds like blather, but it's true. Jonathan Brooks is ready, man. Just trust your training. Cut it loose. You're fast enough. Get after it. I mean, he's a guy that they need. And he had had a couple drops in the first couple games and he had a nice one-handed catch for an 18-yard reception against Baylor so maybe the hands are back for uh, for Jonathan Brooks. Chip, I, I kind of think it's twofold and it's interesting the way you frame it. Again, you haven't been around this program, you know, for a long time and obviously last year. I think it's interesting the way you frame it, right? Just human nature, right? It, it's it's kind of it's kind of and I want to see what you make of this. You know, you're a, being a, a sports fan all the way around. I think what separates, you know, the Michael Jordans, the, the, you know, I don't know who else you want to put in the Tom Brady's, right, is in irrational confidence, right? Those guys don't necessarily have to have, they, it doesn't matter how many times they take the final shot or, or drive down the field in the fourth quarter, they think they're going to close it out, right? But for the other 98% of the population, we need some reassurance of having done it before to feel like, okay, we're that guy, right? Maybe, you know, Michael Jordan is the 2%, LeBron James, the struggles he had until he eventually became what he was, was the other 98%, right? Just that unsurety of having done it. I think that's just regular human nature. So for a guy, you mentioned Jalen, and I'll I'll transition to, to JB. You know, maybe part of his humble demeanor is just him genuinely. I think Steve Sarkeesian talked about today, talking about the fact that he sat behind Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and, and he learned, you know, how to be a teammate, he, he, how to be a leader and being on the, 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 the leadership committee. Right. And maybe that's just part of JB's demeanor. But I also think part of it is, hey, you know, like he's just getting his feet underneath him as far as, you know, you talked about him having the, the big run against Kansas previously, but now just getting his feet underneath him as the guy he didn't even earn the job coming out of camp it was cj baxter right so maybe part of that and i'm and i'm I'm spitballing here so i definitely would be curious your thoughts if if you buy or you put any credence in kind of my hypothesis here is just him kind of getting the confidence and knowing that okay you know i i i've done it twice now you know i've gone for over 100 yards and i can be that guy who carries the rock 20 times and 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 that shows out not only in just his play, but maybe his his feelings about himself. Uh, what says UCB? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he, uh, you know, didn't get enough hugs as a as a child or what. But this dude can play, and he's earned the trust of his teammates. He's he's producing on the field. He's always produced on the field. He's producing on the field again. I had him rushing for a thousand yards this year. So I believe in him. Not that that matters, but I just, 
I think it's, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I just think that he should continue to get better as he gets in a rhythm with this offensive line, as they see him produce, they block harder. It's that feeding frenzy of success. The more success you have, the more you want, the more you're willing to work for it. And, and so the running game, which is a, was a huge question in my mind. I mean, we did the, the uh, position rankings coming into the season. I had the offensive line last because I just didn't know where they were in terms of their ability to um, block for Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter. We know that, that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson made a lot of guys miss and made the offensive line maybe look a little better than they were at times. And, and I think they're getting better and better. We saw some terrible communication against Rice. Calvin Banks gives up a sack in the first game to Rice, or he got credited with it. There was miscommunication between he and Hayden Connor. Um, and they've gotten better and better. And DJ Campbell now, who's playing because Cole Hudson, well, he was playing anyway, but Cole Hudson, who started every game at right guard, still out, going to be out for a month with the uh, knee injury. Um, and DJ Campbell was the best rated pass protector um, for according to pro football focus last um, in the Baylor game. So you're seeing progress. And I think Jonathan Brooks, this offensive line, they look, the sign of a well-coached team is week to week improvement. If we keep seeing that, then, okay, we're going to, we're going to see a running game that can, can really add up. And they got big tests these next two weeks, Eric, Kansas, we're going to get to Kansas's defense. Everyone's talking about Kansas's offense. Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal. How about Kansas's defense, which held BYU to nine yards rushing and sacked Keaton Slovis all over the place in a 38-27 win over BYU. Lance Leipold went into the portal and found himself some defensive linemen. And... Texas being able to run right now, Kansas giving up 93 yards per game on the ground. Okay. And then you got OU that's giving up what nine points per game period. Um, so, and from what I'm hearing from the OU guys, they feel like that defense is real, that, that it's not just having played cupcakes like central Arkansas and, uh, SMU, although SMU is three and one, got to give Mustang some credit there. But yeah, this is, we're going to see some real, you know, obviously Alabama was a good test, but uh, now we're in conference play. There's more film. The more, the more you go into the season, the more you've told your story to the opponent. And, uh, and if there's good coaching, they can, they can seize upon that. So um, yeah, I, I just think, uh, Jonathan Brooks needs to walk with some swag. You know, we always yeah. set him up to to talk glowingly or, hey, what, what do you think your best trade is as a running? I don't know. I'm not fast. Come on. Come on, JB. We'll be your hype men. Kid from Hallettsville. Humble kid from Hallettsville. 
Chip, I've, I've found the solution to JB's hype problem. You ready? I, I don't know why it didn't hit me in the moment, but I know for a fact you're going to agree with me. The answer is lock him in a room with Jade Barron for 48 hours. Fair? Yeah. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to match that guy's confidence. He did tell us two weeks ago he loves himself, which, listen, if I played football like Jade Barron, I'd love myself too. He had kind of a quiet game against Baylor. They weren't really, uh, they weren't really going at him, Eric. They're not throwing that screen to his side anymore. They're tired of him throwing blockers off and making the tackle behind the line. They're not throwing that stuff his way. It appears. You, you will not meet a more confident football player. Not a more confident football player. I think Jade's confidence as a whole. As, as like you said, you know, his, his quote about loving uh, himself and, and I, the one I liked about being a defensive genius, you will not meet a more confident football player than Jade Barron. Just, and, and I think to your point, Chip, I, I know, you know, you're being a little bit hyperbolic, but I think it, it holds credence, right? You know, Jade walks with that swagger, right? Even when he walks into the, the press room, you know, he walks with that swagger. They, when he's leaving, you, you tell that's a guy who's like, all right, you know, he, not that he ever gets beat often, but he could misread something or he could uh, get beat on a play and he has no doubts that he is going to capitalize on it. I, I, I don't know if you saw this quote, Chip. I actually stole it from uh, the podcast with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers, where Rod Babers talked about himself playing in the slot, uh, talking about the history. Yeah, of no of one catches passes on my side of the field, not even me. <laughs> It, that there was that one, but but the one that I, I thought really, you know, in, in terms of Jade, that was interesting. Was he said that you know, hey, he's a guy who Rod referring to himself. He liked to see it to confirm his read, right? Whereas Jade, if if, if that instinct it shows him what he saw on film, he's going, and he doesn't care if, if if it's right or wrong, right? So that type of swagger is definitely something that you could talk about with, with JB. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there that, yeah, maybe if we just lock, you know, JB in a, in a room with Jade for 48 hours and he'll come out and be like, yeah, you know, uh, or, or I, I am Earl Campbell jr. Right. Like when they, when the guys walk to the press room and be like Earl Campbell, I'm, I'm, I'm Barry Sanders. I'm, I'm, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson, all those guys rolled into one. So I think that could be a solution there. CB. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Jade Barron, First thing that comes up about the Kansas game last year was he said he dropped a pick six. He said he dropped a sure pick six, and he did. So, of course, that's the, the first thing he thinks about when it comes to the Kansas game last year. The Texas defense played great against Kansas, held him off the scoreboard until there was just a few minutes left in the third quarter. By that time, Texas was up 41 to nothing. Uh, so this is – this is going to be a really fun chess match. Last year, Kansas defense was so bad, uh, and Texas played them late in the year, so that defense was beaten down, bedraggled, giving up over 200 yards rushing per game, uh, giving up 35-plus per game. Like, their offense averaged 36 points per game. Their defense gave up 35 points per game. It was like, didn't matter how good your offense was, your defense was going to give it all away. And now – we got a Kansas defense that's, like I said, held BYU to nine yards rushing for Texas fans with UTSD 
thinking back to Taysom Hill running all over him for 200 plus uh, in the BYU ground and pound attack of 2013. Let that sink in for a second that Kansas held BYU to nine yards rushing last Saturday in Lawrence and um, BYU typically tough, tough, going to run the football. Uh, but Keaton Slovis, uh, you know, the former USC, former Pitt quarterback at BYU can sling it. And he threw uh, passes to Kobe Bryant, the Kansas defensive back. And uh, it was a rough day for, for BYU's offense. So Eric Lance Leipold uh, gets into the portal and finds Devin Phillips, a defensive tackle from Colorado State, and Gage Keys, a defensive tackle from Minnesota, and Austin Booker, a defensive end from Minnesota. Does Minnesota have any defensive players left? Trill Carter left Minnesota for Texas. Good God, their whole defensive line, I guess, transferred out, or at least all their rotational players. But Austin Booker against BYU last week, uh, seven total tackles. Again, this is a lineman. Two and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks against BYU. Austin Booker. So that defense was terrible last year, stopping the run. Lance Leipold went and got reinforcements, especially on the defensive line. You you can't win if you can't stop the run. And it looks like he's found some guys who are helping Kansas stop the run. Yeah, Chip, it's really interesting. I know we'll get into it a little bit later and take or leave it as far as our thoughts on the Kansas defense being legit. So I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but you take a look. You talked about Kobe Bryant, you know, someone who certainly – uh, a very talented defensive back. I look at that defense. I know they have Rich Miller. I know they have Kenny Logan, Romello Dotson, you know, guys like that who uh, have played a lot of football in Kansas. And maybe, just maybe, going to the portal to find those guys to sure up a weakness chip, which, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sidebar for a second. I, I think that is probably the most efficient use of the portal for you know most power five teams right if you're a group of five team you're just you know you're looking for anybody you're trying to improve your, the talent on your roster right but if you're a power five team I, I think that's the most efficient use of the portal if you, if you have a need right you know you let's use texas as an example right they've gone to the portal and you know picked up uh you know ryan watts came from ohio state picked up a jalen catalan picking up you know, Gavin Holmes, right? Like if you, you see a need, and doesn't this have to be a, a weakness? In this case, it was for Kansas. But if you say, hey, we just need some veterans, some guys that we know, we don't necessarily want to go and, 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 and we have, you know, some high school guys who aren't ready yet and insert a, a freshman or an underclassman. We want to go get some guys who've played some football, right? And clearly uh, there are some players on Minnesota's defensive line who teams across the country felt could play in the, uh, in the Big 12, right? So uh, just for, you know, per, a little sidebar there, my personal opinion, I think that's the best use of the portal at, at this level is saying, hey, you know, we need to pick, you know, cherry pick three or four guys at a position as opposed to necessarily, you know, rehauling or, or, or overhauling and reshaping your entire roster. But that aside, yeah, you know, it's really interesting, Chip, to see that through four games. It's early. I think for me, the BYU test was, was really the one that stood out to me. This Kansas defense does look as if it's 
trending in the right direction. We'll give our take as to whether we're taking it or leave it as far as for the long haul. But I do think it's something interesting really to look at that now this defense appears to be meeting the task of its uh, of this offense. And that does make Kansas a very dangerous football team. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see now flipping back to the Texas defense for a second uh, because Kansas runs a spread option attack with triple option principles and the safeties have to get involved in the running game. And when you're facing an offense like that last year, the leading tackler for Texas was Anthony cook um, who was the boundary safety for Texas. He's obviously moved on. And I asked Sark today about is Jalen Catalan on a pitch count because in the Baylor game, Jalen Catalan played, he played 13 snaps and freshman Derek Williams played 54 snaps. So that tells me, that tells me a couple things, Eric. It tells me they are trying to maybe protect Jalen Catalan from himself, and he had a great blow-up hit um, on, a, on a running play in the Baylor game that really was the first time we've seen Jalen Catalan read and react from like 12 yards away, take that perfect angle and just destroy a ball carrier. Um, but it tells me, okay, you've got these seniors. you got Jalen Catalan senior, although he's got eligibility if he wants it. Jaron Thompson senior. Keaton Crawford senior, although he's got eligibility if he wants it. You know, they're, they're getting Derek Williams ready, and they're getting him ready now. Chip, is, it, is that the way you see it? I guess here's here's kind of what I, I took away. And I, you did ask Steve Sarkeesian that question. And you've asked him that question several times. You know, I'll give, give you credit there. You you know, not, not in being incessant. It's a very fair question for someone who's been banged up. But this is kind of my takeaway from it. And I'm, I want to know what, what your thoughts are. Um, I noticed this against Rice that they did shift uh, rotate out, you know, several safeties. And Steve Sarkeesian talked about feeling as if he has a certain measure of depth uh, at that position. Yeah, five it, deep, he said, if you include Michael Taft, the other names. It feels to me as if both answers can be true, right? No, Jalen Catalan is not on, not on a pitch count, right? But he's just on a pitch count if, if he's facing, you know, a team that we think he can go five innings and the relievers can get the other four, right? But if we need him against an Alabama, right? You know, it's Chip, it's game seven. Oh, yeah, the, the, the pitch count's off, right? I think both answers can be true there. And that's kind of my read on it when I take a look at the Rice game and the Baylor game, which obviously the Baylor game, you know, pretty much got out of hand. Uh, you could say more or less after, you know, about a quarter and a half, maybe two quarters, it was clear the direction that game was heading in. Okay, why risk it? We have someone who has an injury history who only knows how to play one way. Right. We don't want him blowing someone up against Baylor in a game that they're 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 up, you know, three scores. And all of a sudden we've lost Catalan for five weeks. But, you know, come K-State or, you know, let's say the, you know, the Kansas game, you need him. Right. It's close. That is, is, is when maybe the, the, the you know, the, the pitch counts off. So that's what I made of well, Steve and that, answer. your point is made. 
by the fact that against predominantly running offenses, Alabama and Wyoming, he played 32 snaps against Alabama, 34 snaps against Wyoming, only 18 against Rice, only 13 against Baylor. There you go, right? So that's just kind of the feeling I got from it, which is, yes, two things can be true. You know, it's very rare, Chip, and I'm sure you'd agree with this. We, we ask these questions of coaches, you know, and a lot of times they'll give us a black and white answer, but most times it's not that black and white, right? It, it's somewhere in the middle. So in my mind, I think that's the case with Steve Sarkeesian is that, yeah, he knows not on a pitch count because he, he can, you know, go all nine innings, but if we don't need him to, we're not going to take that risk. Yeah. I think they're going to need him to in this game. And I, I look forward to seeing how Catalan, um, handles that uh, that triple option attack of, of Kansas. While we're on the subject of young players getting in, you know, the Baylor game, we saw a lot of Malik Muhammad as well. He looks good to me every time he takes the field. He almost had an interception, got credited with a pass breakup. That guy is sticky, man. He is sticky in coverage. And then, of course, we saw uh, Jonte Cook, with his first big play as a Longhorn, the 51-yard reception uh, over the middle there in the second half against Baylor and looked fluid and smooth and all the things that you'd expect of a five-star uh, receiver. And tell you what, they just got a commitment from Brandon Baker, the five-star offensive lineman from um, – modern day where of course Steve Sarkeesian still has tentacles from his days at USC and the fact that Texas is playing young players that played Calvin Banks as a freshman they played Cole Hudson as a freshman on the offensive line um sounds like Sidier Mitchell's getting closer to getting on the field in a meaningful way on the defensive line for Texas that's attractive that's attractive to recruits, Eric. And even with a loaded um, roster, this is definitely a Big 12 championship winning roster. They're finding ways to get the young guys in. You know, I, I took two things from Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian's answer earlier today when he talked about, you know, developing players, right? And I think that matters regardless of whether you are, you know, a, a 24 seven sports, three-star guy, or, you know, you're a high five-star guy or a high four-star guy. Right. Because how many times have we seen players end up in situations and they don't meet, you know, maybe the, their expectations or potential coming out of high school right now with the track record they have of taking players and saying, Hey, we're getting the most out of these guys. They're playing early. They're having success. I think those things are very attractive. And you talk about a big 12 championship winning roster, you know, obviously they're very much stockpiling this roster to compete in the sec. That matters as well. But yeah, I think if, if I were a recruit, the, the big thing that is evidenced by, you know, what you've talked about, the guys you mentioned is a, if you come here and you are ready as a freshman, we will put you on the field and you will see snaps. But the flip side of that being, we have a track record of developing guys and getting the most out of guys. And in my experience, you know, players want to be coached. They want to be coached hard, right? They, they want to be coached to the best of their potential. It's and the guys who don't pretty much, you know, typically don't work out no matter what level you are, where they are. 
or, or, or wherever they are. So, you know, those guys may transfer head elsewhere and they end up bouncing around. So, yeah, that's, that's a big takeaway, I think, from, again, uh, getting that commitment. As you talk about Steve Sarkeesian still having those tentacles on the West Coast, but also evidenced by the amount of underclassmen who are able to come in and, and, and make a significant impact, impact uh, but also be coached and be developed as well. And I think you're seeing that with, you know, even guys who necessarily weren't recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, but uh, are, are making an impact on this team. You know, you talk about it. Chip, uh, Jalen Ford, who maybe was a little bit hesitant, you know, getting the most out of him. A uh, David Benda, pointing to him as an excellent example of someone who is is being developed by this coaching staff. So I think it's twofold, and it makes an impact, no doubt, in recruiting. Yeah, you look at you look at uh, you know some of these guys, the you know the three star recruits, and and getting coached up, um, and. And then you look at the talent they're bringing in now. They had to be talked into taking Jalen Ford. I mean, it was a, it was a an assistant coach at Denton Ryan, where J.T. Sanders went to school, whose son used to play football at Texas. Um, Alex Delatore and his father Aaron Delatore, who's the defensive coordinator at Denton Ryan, who said to Texas, "Why aren't you looking at this Jalen Ford kid at Frisco Lone Star?" And Utah was the only one in on him. They flipped him. And Jalen Ford is, you know, the preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year and just had a big interception in the red zone to keep Baylor, you know, to six points on six red zone trips, which is phenomenal, uh, especially since special teams, uh, the muff punt seemed to be, the hottest play going on Texas special teams against Baylor. So um, being able to play that, that uh, sudden change red zone defense um, is huge, but you look at the three stars, they were scrambling to get. Now you look at the five stars they're bringing in like Anthony Hill, like Derek Williams. And you see, these guys making Malik Muhammad, you see these guys making plays already. There is no shortage of confidence. They don't have to talk these guys into it. These guys know they can do it. They've been doing it. They do it at a different level. And that's why this season is so important to Texas to win big because they've got the roster. Everybody knows it. You don't want to do less with more. You want to do more with more. And that's why this season is so critical, probably the most important in the last 25 years, uh, because, because of the momentum they have right now in recruiting and they're building those lines of you know, scrimmage. Um, and you want to be able to continue to say, see, we're bringing in talent and now we're winning championships. So why don't you come help us keep that tradition going? And that's that has that's so critical this year because if you fall flat, if you come up short and coaches can say, you know what, Texas, they're the same old Texas. They talk a good game. They can't get it done. They look pretty, but they can't deliver. You can't have that out there in recruiting against the top end programs because when Georgia says it or Alabama or USC says or whatever, Clemson, Ohio state, the, the high-end kids might listen, and you just don't want that negative recruiting message out there. 
Chip, you know, I feel like I'm learning this and maybe I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm here in Austin and maybe I'm falling victim to some of the, you know, burnt orange and white, you know, just some, some of the, the well, what you get here being in Austin. But this is kind of what it feels to me. Um, I, I, I fully agree with the point you made in terms of striking while the iron's hot. And I want to emphasize that because in my mind, it's different when Texas is good and they make the pitch, right? As opposed to you, you can insert your Utah's or, I mean, I guess, you know, Oregon's had a, a, a measure of success, but, you know, I'm going to use like an Oregon as an example, or, you know, I'll use mild water or UCF, you know, some of these, some of these programs who I, I guess they've, I don't want to say flash in the pan chip, right. But they've had success. They, they've been steady at success. Right. But it's not the same when a blue blood makes that pitch, right? So when you're talking about going to recruits homes and, 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 you know, coaches saying, Oh, it's the same old Texas. I think that is, it's a very good point, right? You can make that, that point about, you know, a Miami over the past two decades, or, you know, some of the programs of Nebraska, some programs have fallen on hard times, but when the horns are good. And I think that's what I am, what I am feeling being around the program now, maybe being here in Austin is, that's like the Lakers making the pitch to you, right? Or a, a team that's that's had that track record of success uh, historically. So when Texas is good, and certainly you can make the case that Steve Sarkeesian, getting that offer from Texas hasn't been as hot as 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 what it's been now for what maybe a decade or so. You're not turning that down, right? And and I think especially entering the sec that's why it is crucial to you know capitalize on 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 not only the success you're having now but finish the job right because you're going to be walking into homes and competing against alabama and georgia and others right so to, to be able to walk in as texas and we'll see where the season takes us but just the feeling i get chip is is that when when texas is making that offer and 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 there's there's validity behind that name, behind that, that, that aura, right? There's only a handful of teams in a nation who can really compete with that offer in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about Steve Sarkeesian bragging about Texas being one of the least penalized uh, teams in college football? Um, meant to look this up um, in terms of, um, where they rank nationally, fewest penalty yards. Here we are. Um, Texas, 13th nationally, averaging 35 yards per game in penalty yardage. Uh, only Baylor uh, from the Big 12 is ahead of them at uh, 29 yards per game in penalty yardage. But um, that stuff matters. Chip, you know what's interesting though, right? Is Texas wasn't necessarily a bad team last year in terms of penalties. They're ranked 66 in the nation in uh, total penalties per game, just over six. I think that number was 6.3 in 2022. But yeah, that stuff does matter. And the timeliness of those penalties, Chip. I mean, I don't want to regurgitate what I said earlier, but I wrote a feature on this in, in the offseason talking about some of the timeliness of the pre snap penalties last year, right? 
Uh, JT Sanders has a false start chip. Uh, yeah, I believe it was against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, there we go. Oklahoma State, right? In the red that, zone. That, 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 right. There you go. Right. So it's the timeliness uh, of those penalties that matter. And taking a look again, I don't want to, you know, just regurgitate what I said earlier, but it's those things that make it harder on teams when you have the pre snap penalties that Texas is at at home. You, you have a direct correlation to those things putting you behind the chains. Uh, and we saw it like what it's done with with the offense, right? In terms of being uh, an efficient offense, right? So trying to replicate the the success that they've had on the road uh, in terms of you know pre snap penalties and penalties overall, uh, carrying that backward to home. But yeah, just as a whole, the team has not been penalized. I think defensively, Chip, I, I'll throw this out at you. I think being in the third year under you know PK Pete Kutowski, uh, that matters because you're playing confidently, right? You know what you're doing. You're not thinking as much. Maybe that cuts down on some of the defensive holdings, some of the PIs. I think that was a bit of a, a questionable PI uh, against Baylor. You know, it could have gone 50-50. We've seen, we've seen worse, you know, go, go uncalled, right? But I think those things matter, especially defensively, because you're not thinking as much. You're out there playing football. You know what's being asked of you. You're not committing as many penalties on the defensive side. So, yeah, uh, those things do matter. Um, and, and I think especially, again, as I talk about offensively, you want to see some of those, those pre-snap things carried over to home, but the timeliness of the penalties especially matter. And it appears through what, you know, a quarter way of the season, or, or I guess we're four games. And so a third of the season that Texas is trending in the right direction. Yeah. Turnover margin. I always look at turnover margin. Um, Right now in the Big 12, Oklahoma leads. They're plus seven. Houston is plus six. Texas is plus four after the um, twofer combo on the the muffed punt returns. Uh, Quinn Ewers still has not thrown an interception, and Jaden Blue has one fumble. So, um, you know, turnover margin working in Texas's favor, not so much in the Baylor game, but – uh, Kansas, by the way, is plus three in turnover margin. Um, and the statistic right below it on my Big 12 stats is third down conversions. Kansas is numero uno uh, at converting third downs on offense 60.5% of the time. Anything above at or above 50% is considered championship level. Um, they're at 60%, Eric. Again, those, those things, those things matter tremendously. I mean, and, and, and listen, you wrote about this, um, believe it was Sunday, if memory serves me correct. How much does Steve Sarkeesian talk about complimentary football? Complimentary football matters in terms of, you know, conversion rate stopping the other team and i think one of the big things you know you threw out that number i think one of the big things you got to talk about in terms of texas red zone defense fourth down defense they're among the best in the nation at those things and in my mind chip again you know it, it sounds boring right when you talk about complimentary football turnover margin those things right it, you know everyone wants to talk about the, the you know the explosive plays and the deep ball and 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 takeaways but it's it's playing the complementary football and doing those things in conjunction with the big plays that make a difference between being what you know a seven eight nine win team and being one that is a legitimate 
contender. Again, it's early. You know, we, we still have this test against Kansas that we will uh, talk about and, and see what happens on Saturday. But it, it's it's the it's the the glimpse, the glimmers uh, of those things. Right. Seeing them done that give you the hope that, OK, this is something that can be sustained for the long haul. Well, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun uh, to watch this Texas-Kansas uh, game this weekend, two undefeateds. Uh, before we get to take it or leave it, I had your Central Florida Knights giving uh, Kansas State uh, all kinds of hell, and they did for a while. Central Florida led that game in the third quarter, um, but then it uh, completely got away. What do we make of your Knights, and what do we make of Kansas State? What do we make of Kansas State? I think it's more uh, a statement about them than it is UCF. UCF was playing without John Rice Plumley, right? You know, so Timmy McLean. I know you were high on the Timmy McLean train, and and I've seen some people in some UCF group chats. You know, some UCF circles a little bit frustrated, but you know, those are UCF fans. They they're like you know a lot of fan bases in the nation. Uh, they sway with the wind as far as the quarterback is concerned. One day he's the best quarterback in the world, the next day he's not, right? But in my mind. I think, especially defensively, you know, uh, some of the, the the players were out for Kansas State. That's where you want to see Gus Malzahn's team rise to the occasion. So I think it says more about Chris Kleiman's club, the fact that they're able to overcome missing pieces and have an outstanding game on the ground that goes to show that, hey, we're for real. So in my mind, it says more about Kansas State and their ability to be to, to persevere than it does UCF who uh, maybe, you know, I, I can't think of very many places outside of Orlando who, you know, really felt as if walking into this game without John Rice Plumley that they were going to be able to, you know, pull off the, uh, the upset. Looks like as we've gone on in this podcast, you now are doing this podcast by candlelight. Yeah, Chip. So I, you know, we're going to have to find a, a measure of light here. You know, usually uh, I can tape this from my downtown Austin high rise and natural sunlight comes in. But Chip, as you can attest, we got the rain yesterday. It was a little bit of a cloudy day and the sun has disappeared. So through the uh, through the, the magic of a pause as we go to take it or leave it, I'm probably going to find a ring light or an overhead light uh, that I do not look as if I'm doing this uh underneath a roman candle the only light that is now in my high rise which again i normally can get great light uh natural light is a monday night football that's shining on me so we'll have to fix that in a second okay um one other real quick nugget obviously texas tech lost to west virginia um joey mcguire having a, a little bit of a rough start here to the season and in the battle of ineptitude Iowa State beats Oklahoma State over the weekend, and now Oklahoma will take on Iowa State before Oklahoma and Texas meet in the Cotton Bowl for the Red River Shootout. All right. Are you ready for some uh, some take it or leave it? Do it. Some take it or leave it, CB, coming up. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back uh, to the flagship podcast with Chip Brown and Eric Henry. If you are watching on our Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll along and uh, let's get into some take it or leave it, Eric. Let's do it. Take it or leave it. The first one, a very strong one here. Texas is a better road team than home team, CB. Take it or leave it. I mean, I'm going to take this right now. Um, It needs to change. It needs to change starting like right now uh, because Texas has been a sharper, more focused, better starting team on the road in games at Alabama and at Baylor than they have been at home against Rice and against Wyoming, teams that they were more than three touchdown favorites against. So – yeah, and they're less penalties on the road than at home. I mean, um, about the only thing you can say is the rash of muffed punts that broke out in Waco uh, happening on the road. Otherwise, you know, they, they've been a better team on the road than they have been at home. Um, but that, that needs to change. So, Eric, I'm going to take this. How about you? Chip, I'm going to take it as well. And I thought when I asked Steve Sarkeesian the question, the part of the answer that stood out to me, and I think it's real, that as coaches, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have to direct quote, but he essentially said that, you know, as coaches, maybe we need to do, you know, a better job of hammering home some of those things, you know, as far as the focus and intent at home. So do on the road, right? Because, you know, when, and when I asked him the question, it was in specificity to pre-snap penalties, but I thought it was revealing, right? You know, because you tell your guys, all right, we're going to be on the road. There's going to be crowd noise. Uh, we we got to stay focused, right? You know, don't jump. And he kind of jokingly said, you know, maybe we need to do that at home, right? You know, pump in some crowd noise. Uh, we're practicing uh, for home games to, to emphasize that or, or, you know, tell the crowd to cheer, uh, I think was what Steve Sarkeesian said. Um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, those things matter, right? Because when we hear it, and we're consistently told, all right, you know, we, we got to make sure we are walking the, the, the straight and narrow because we're going to be on the road and all the environments are going to be against us. You know, the elements are going to be against us. We need to make sure we're focused and locked in. I think that stuff does play a factor and it carries over, right? To maybe at home, you know, you get a little bit comfortable and, and, and you get a little antsy and you want to make a play in front of the home fans. As CB said, you know, maybe, you know, you don't want to show up for the girlfriend or your family. Uh, I do think that matters. So as, as, trivial as some of those factors may sound uh i'm taking it right and that doesn't mean it can't change you know they've had uh two games now to kind of you know have a sample size of see what they do both home and road i do think the coaching staff is cognizant and aware of it but as of right now i'm taking it and i I do think that will change but as of now yeah they're a better team at home they are on the road all right take it or leave it number two eric kansas's offense will be the best texas sees in the regular season, take it or leave it. I was very, very torn on this because I felt like it's a long regular season. 
I, I might be a higher on most than that quarterback up there in Norman and Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I, I think he's a you know heck of a signal caller. He's probably one of the most prolific uh, over in terms of statistically uh, in current you know FBS quarterbacks, right? You know, I, I do think there's some offenses that Texas will see in just the regular season. You know, we're not even talking about postseason that that can push Kansas. But man, Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal alone, those two. They really tax defensive chip. And this isn't just a flash in the pan, right? You talked about last year, their averages over 36 a game. And the fact that they've come into DKR. And yeah, it was an overtime game, but they've put up north of 50 points. There's something about that guy, Chip. Maybe, I'm, maybe I am wowed and I am in awe of the chain with the highlights on it. Maybe that was enough for me that I'm just thinking of that, but uh, I'm, I'm taking it, Chip. What says you? Yeah. And Eric's referring to the, uh, the chain that Jalen Daniels wore at big 12 football media days. It was running like highlights of him, his own highlights. And it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Certainly uh, loaded with swag as the, uh, the big 12 preseason offensive player of the year, you know, right now looking at the rest of Texas's schedule, I'm not blown away. I, I agree with you, Dylan Gabriel, easily the best uh, quarterback right now, uh, performance-wise, statistically, that Texas will see. Um, but I'm not sure about everything else with OU. Um, and Kansas State, Will Howard, you know, Treshawn Ward's a little banged up. Not quite sure what's going on there. Um, the dynamic nature of Kansas's offense makes it very uh, intriguing. You have to practice specifically to stop the triple option. You can't just apply normal base defense to it. So it requires more. Um, if Texas is smart, they were preparing for it during the summer. But yeah, I mean, they did a great job last year of dismantling this offense, Texas did, and keeping them scoreless uh, well into the third quarter. So, uh, but you're right. They came to Kansas two years ago, the same cast of characters pretty much, and and put it on Texas. Now, that was one of the worst defenses in school history at Texas. And light years, uh, Steve Sarkeesian said today, uh, that game exposed warts in the program that we needed to get rid of. And and so, you know, he's flushed the the losing mindsets, apparently, from that that game and um, and probably correctly. So but um, I will take this as well. I'll take this as well, because um Jalen Daniels can sling it, and he's got a couple receivers. Um, heck, Devin Neal can catch it. They, like I said, they still have that that big Ophi dude at tight end, Jared Casey, who used to be a fullback. So, um, I'll take it. That was a long-winded answer to say I'm taking it, Eric. Take it or leave it. Number three. 
Take it or leave it. Number three, the final one. Are we buying an improved Kansas defense after holding BYU to nine yards rushing and producing two defensive TDs, Chip? Take it or leave it. You know what? I'm going to take this as well. And thank God Kansas defense is improved because it couldn't get much worse last year, uh, giving up 200 yards rushing, 35 plus per game. Um, that's awful. But by contrast, Texas in its worst, uh, one of its worst defenses in school history two years ago, gave up 31.1 points per game. So um, anytime you're in that neighborhood, you are losing ball games. But I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this, Eric, because uh, I don't know how good BYU is yet uh, with Keaton Slovis and uh, how how good they should be. But holding BYU to nine yards rushing and scoring two defensive touchdowns against BYU, that's pretty impressive. Good for Lance Leipold to hit the portal and find these defensive linemen. Um, Devin Phillips from Colorado State, Gage Keys from Minnesota, and Austin Booker from Minnesota. Booker, uh, number nine in your program. Is the one who had seven tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, including one and a half sacks against BYU. So I'm going to take this, Eric. How about you? I will take it, Chip, for a lot of the reasons you said, but I'm going to uh, go to the secondary. As I said, you know, I think Kenny Logan is a solid player back there at safety. And also Kobe Bryant, you know, TJ Tampa gets a lot of the headlines as the big time defensive back in the Big 12. But Kobe Bryant, while maybe not quite that TJ Tampa level, I think he's a very, very good, you know, probably an all conference uh, type of performer there in the secondary. So I think those guys in, in conjunction with the, the players you mentioned paired with them showing up the defensive line, Rich Miller, there at linebacker. I'm taking it. They, they, they don't have to be, you know, the uh, a lights out defense, like, you know, the two thousands Ravens or the, you know, Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks days just to be improved. And, and I, I think uh, the numbers are, are bearing that through four games that they are an improved unit. So I am taking it CB. All right, and Kobe Bryant, this Kobe Bryant spells it C-O-B-E-E, -E, Bryant. Um, all right, kids. This is going to be an interesting game week, so make sure that you are dialed in over at Horns247.com. For Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we will see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.